We turn in God's Word tonight to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, and we'll be reading the first uh, 11 verses of 1 Peter chapter 4. We continue uh, or conclude our theme of our walk with God tonight. Lord willing, uh, next Lord's Day evening, we're going to begin a series on uh, the Belgic Confession of Faith. Uh, it is one of uh, the ecumenical creeds, I guess we would say, of the Reformed faith at least, and yet one uh, that perhaps we, we don't pay much attention to, um, and probably you have not heard too many sermons uh, following through the order, although our intent is certainly not to preach the confession, but to preach God's word as we uh, see it in the variety of texts that were given. So we'll see, ask for God's blessing upon that. And if you'd be praying for that as well, that's one of those kind of ominous uh, type of sermon series because uh, it has the potential to go on for a very long time. And uh, want to be guarding uh, that as well. Uh, after we finish Galatians next uh, Lord's Day morning, the Lord willing, uh, with those final concluding verses, uh, we'll have a short series of messages on the words around the cross, not the words from the cross, not those spoken by Jesus, uh, those you are probably very familiar with, um, plus you have the opportunity on, uh, on that Good Friday to go to Seventh Reformed and to hear uh, each of those words uh, preached and explained to us as God's people. But it's more the word, other words that are spoken around the cross um, that, that we hear. And, and what is the message that we find in those other words around the cross and then the words that are spoken at the tomb as we come to uh, the celebration of Christ's resurrection. Tonight, though, 1 Peter 4, let us hear and give attention to God's breathed out word to us. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. But they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead. That though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all... Keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another 
without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's fire the reading of God's Word. Let's again bow in prayer. Father in heaven, we give thanks for this portion of your word, and we pray that uh, we may learn how we can walk in the spirit, how we can walk our lives pleasing to you. We pray your blessing on Pastor Bob as he explains this word to us through the preaching of the word. Just bless him as he does that, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This short series of messages has been Uh, a further development of that which we had back in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Paul was reminding us in that section of Galatians of the struggle between our flesh, our, our old man, our sinful nature, and the new creature that we are in Christ that uh, we had the opportunity to look a little bit at this morning as well in that passage of Galatians chapter 6. Paul is saying through the Holy Spirit, if you walk by the Spirit, if you keep in step with the Spirit, if you live by the Spirit, three ways of saying the same thing, then that old man of sin, then our flesh is, as it were, held in check. None of us ever rids ourselves of that flesh. None of us is it ever gone in this life. It takes glory for that to happen. But in this life, what the Apostle Paul is saying is that those, those passions of the flesh, those desires of the flesh, can be held at bay. They can be held back. They can be kept back. They can be kept from from becoming that which dominates our life, that which controls our life, if we are walking with the Spirit. If as we walk with the Spirit, it is to keep the flesh in its place. Now, in this series, what we've looked at is this. How do I walk with the Spirit? How do I keep in step with the Spirit? How do I live by the Spirit? Well, it's to desire, as Paul said in Galatians 5, what the Spirit desires. Well, what does the Spirit desire? Well, so far we've looked at that the Spirit desires the Word of God. That the the Spirit desires for us to be in the Word of God. And one truly can, can, can say and, and, and look at it and say, if one is in the Word of God and one is thinking about the Word of God and one is reading the Word of God, if one is seeking to live by that Word, then obviously you would not be gratifying the flesh. Second, 
To live, to walk by the Spirit means to be a person of prayer. A person who is on a regular basis, on an ongoing basis, in communion with God in the form of prayer. And by that means, as we pray, as we, as we grow in our relationship with the Lord, then the desires of the flesh become less and less. We want this relationship. We don't want to satisfy the desires of the flesh. Third, that the Spirit desires for us to meditate. That's different than reading the Bible, and that's different than praying. It's the idea of focusing our attention upon some aspect, some attribute of God, some scripture text, and, and to be thinking it through, to be meditating upon it, to be dwelling upon it. And when we are focused on that and engaged in that as the Spirit would have us be, then those desires of the flesh are held in bay, held at check, kept in their place in the Christian's life. Fourthly, we looked at last Lord's Day that the Spirit also desires that we fast. That we take time apart from some of the, the good things in life, that we set ourselves apart from those, whether they be food or other items as we explored last Lord's Day, and, and that we take time in that fasting, in that denial, that we think of the fact that we are to be denying the flesh its desire to gain hold of us as well. So here now comes the fifth. How else do we keep in step with the Spirit? How else do we live in the Spirit? And tonight, the answer from the Apostle Peter is, you serve. You serve. In fact, as you look at this text, it's the whole context, isn't it? There's the whole context of the flesh. There's the whole context of the, the, the passions of the flesh, the human passions, the drunkenness, the sensuality, the, the idolatry, the orgies. The lawlessness, that flesh, that sinful nature. How does Peter say we are to deal with that? We are to deal with it by using our gift to serve. You see, if we are busy using that which the Spirit gives to us, if we're busy using the gift, that the Holy Spirit has personally given to you and you're using that gift to its fullest potential, then you see, in a sense we could say, there will be no time for drunkenness. There would be no time for lawlessness. Those things will be kept in their place in the Christian's life. Not that we will ever be through with them or that we'll ever be absent from them. But they will not gain dominion over us. They will not gain control over us. Now, let's further develop 1 Peter chapter 4 under three headings. First of all, the work of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And then the walk 
with the Spirit. First of all, the work of the Holy Spirit. What is the main function? Just step back. This is just a huge question. Okay? This is the big question. This is the big picture question. What is the main work, the main function, perhaps I would say, of the Holy Spirit? Can you answer the question? Now, I don't ask. I'm not looking for you to raise your hand and give answers. Okay? Because my guess is most of us would probably get this wrong. Most of us would give an answer that is very self-focused. Well, yeah, the main work is to convict, convict me of sin. The, the main work of the Holy Spirit is to lead me to Christ. No. The main function, the main work of the Holy Spirit is to bring glory to the Father and to the Son. That's what He does. He brings glory to the Father and to the Son. Turn to John chapter 16. Had to double check. John chapter 16. Go find verse 12. John 16, 12. Jesus is speaking in this section. Jesus says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Now, you've got to stop and think. Some, something else is being said here, right? What does Jesus say in John chapter 14? I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. When Jesus says, when the Spirit comes, what's he going to do? He's going to guide you in all truth. What does that mean the Spirit is going to do? He's going to guide you to Christ. See, that's the way in which he brings glory. He brings glory to Christ by bringing you and I to Christ. But it's not, first of all, about you and me. It's about Christ. That's his focus. For he will not speak on his own authority, but will speak whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The purpose, the function, the work of the Holy Spirit is to bring glory to Christ and to the Father. He does so by directing us to Christ and by bringing us the word of Christ. It is not his word, it is the word of Christ that he brings. This is not his word, this is the word of Christ that he brings to us. You say, well, you said he glorifies not only Christ, but also he glorifies the Father. Yes, because in John 17, Jesus said that he has come for what purpose? To glorify the Father. So the Father is glorified by the Son, 
who is glorified by the Spirit. When the Spirit glorifies the Son, when the Spirit glorifies Christ, then the Father also is glorified. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, the reason I say that, the reason I emphasize that, is because he draws no attention to himself. There is no passage in Scripture in which we come across and the Holy Spirit said, Hey, I'm the Holy Spirit of God, worship me. But there are plenty of passages in Scripture in which the Spirit, though the breath of God, by illumination to those who wrote, by inspiration to those who wrote, say what? Glorify God. Glorify the Father. Glorify the Son. The Word, the inspired Word of the Holy Spirit, directs us not to himself, but always directs us to Christ. He always directs us to the Father. He does not call attention to himself. And in that work of bringing glory to the Father and glory to the Son, he is the constant server constantly at work. Directing glory to the Son and to the Father. Remember the passage? You remember the passage, right? Genesis 1, 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then we come to that phrase, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. I remember a a number of messages ago, might have been a few years now, that, that we, we were having a series on the Holy Spirit and, and, and I was at that text and I said, you have to understand what that word means in the Hebrew. It means the mother hen who is constantly flapping those wings over her little chicks. There is the constant movement, there is the constant energy. You know, we read that and the, and the Spirit was hovering over the waters. And my guess is most of us, when, we, when we, we think about that text, we think of those waters laying flat. Don't. Because anytime something hovers over the waters, that those waters are stirring. There's movement. See, it, it, the, the picture of Genesis 1, 1 and 2 is this. God creates the heavens and the earth. And the Spirit is ready to serve. He's like, Father, unleash me. Right? It's like, let me get to work. Let me hear the Son speak. So that, so that I can serve. I'm ready to serve. I'm, 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 I'm anxious. Well, not anxious isn't the word. I'm, I'm energetic. I'm, I'm ready. I want to serve. And so from Genesis 1, we see the picture of the Holy Spirit emerging as the one who desires to serve by bringing glory to the Father and glory to the Son by serving. Pentecost. 
What's the picture that, that comes out of Pentecost? But there is the picture of what? There is the picture of the flames, the tongues of fire on top of their heads. But there is also the sound, right, of the mighty rushing wind. Ask yourself, you know, it, Jesus also, remember the passage we were at in John 3 this morning? Okay, he follows up the whole born again with the whole idea of you never know where the wind is blowing from, where it comes from, where it goes. Ask yourself the question, how many days are there in a year in which we have no wind? How many days of the year is there just perfect calm? Never. Not a breeze, not a ruffle, that a, that a tree doesn't move. Well, if you live here in Michigan, your, your answer is probably, I think it's no days that it doesn't have wind. Why does Jesus use the picture of the Holy Spirit as wind? Why is Pentecost the picture of a mighty, or the sound of the mighty wind? Because the Spirit is constantly moving. He is constantly serving. He's never sitting still. Always, always, the Spirit serves by bringing glory to the Father and glory to the Son. Okay, now let's go back to 1 Peter chapter 4. What's going on? 1 Peter chapter 4, what's he dealing with? The subject there is about the gifts that the Holy Spirit brings. Now he doesn't go into the long list that Paul does. And, and I'm not going to go through those long lists. We did that when we had the sermon series on the Holy Spirit. The point is, Peter is dealing with those gifts. So secondly, I want you to think now about the gifts in relationship to the Holy Spirit. And understand and be reminded of what? That we refer to them as the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So his function has to be connected to the gift. In other words, all the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives are for one purpose. To bring glory to Christ and to bring glory to the Father. It's not like, yeah, okay, this is my job, this is my function. Oh, but I got a side business over here. I do this gift thing. And the whole gift thing you know, that I give to some people, you know, leadership, I give to some people hospitality, I give to some people exhortation, I give to some people encouragement. I kind of run that as a side business. It's got nothing to do with my main purpose. No, it has everything to do. The gifts are given by the Holy Spirit in order that the Father and the Son might be glorified. That's their function. They bring glory to the Father as far as His being is concerned. Turn to uh, First Chronicle or First Corinthians, chapter fourteen. This is the chapter in which Paul is dealing with that whole subject of tongue speaking. Okay. But if you go to chapter 14, verse 25, here's Paul's point. If tongues are there, what's the purpose? 
Why did the Holy Spirit give to some the gift of tongues? Verse 25. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. Now, who's going to do that? The unbeliever. The purpose of tongues was to be a sign to the unbeliever that God was really present amongst them. And that the unbeliever would not just see the sign and go, wow, look at those people. No, his direction was not at all focused on those who spoke. His focus was what? Well, what's the work of the Holy Spirit? To bring glory to God. What does Paul say the purpose of that was? That God would be glorified. That God would be worshipped. So the Holy Spirit gives these gifts so that God is glorified for his being, for his existence. Why were the gifts given? For God to be glorified. Why were the gifts given? For God to be glorified in that his purposes, his plan would be worked out. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 11, Ephesians 4, 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers. What? To equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. Now, is Christ glorified when his church is strong? Yes. Why were the gifts given? Why did the Holy Spirit dispense these gifts to the church? So that the church might be built up, and what? Christ will be glorified by a built-up, strengthened church. See, the gifts weren't given so some could be pastors. The gifts were given so that Christ would be glorified. Turn with me to another passage. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 4, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Each is given a gift. Why? For the common good. Now what does common good mean? For the church. For God's people. God is glorified when his people are built up and strengthened. God is glorified when the gifts that the Holy Spirit have 
given to the church are used for the church. When those gifts that the Holy Spirit pours out upon us are used in the church for God's people. Not for personal profit, not for personal gain. But they're used for God's people. God is glorified. Christ is honored. See, the gifts are not for ourselves. It's got nothing to do with you. It's got nothing to do with me. It's got everything to do with the glory of God. This is the way the Spirit works. He brings glory to the Father. He brings glory to Christ. How? By the gifts that He gives us. And those gifts are for God's glory, not to call attention to ourselves. That's why Paul had to call the Corinthians on the carpet for their tongue speaking. Because it was all about self-focus. It was all about them. And it had nothing to do with bringing glory to God. So Paul says, cut it out. Stop it. That's not why you were given the gift of the Spirit. It is for others. It is for the glory of God. You were given the ability to speak in tongues. You were given the ability to prophesy. Not so that you could lord it over others who couldn't but so that you might bear witness to Christ and to the Father. And I've said this many times before, but it bears repeating because, because I don't think we always get this. When you establish in a church that the only true Christians are those who have the ability to speak in tongues, you are the very purpose that those tongues were given. Because if the purpose of the tongue and speaking in tongues, as many churches around us practice, is to identify those who are truly born again and those who aren't, those who have the baptism of the Spirit and those who don't, then the purpose is to call attention to self. Look, see, I speak in tongues. I am one of those who have been truly baptized by the Holy Spirit. The very purpose of the gift is being defied. But it has nothing to do with self. It is for the glory of God. So let's come back to first. Peter chapter 4. What does all of this have to do with this section? As we walk with the Spirit, to keep in step with the Spirit, Peter says, as each one, verse 10, has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Now let me break that down. The purpose 
you and I have been given a gift is to serve. As each one has, use it to serve. For God's glory. Note the end of verse 11, the end of the statement. By serving others with the gift that you have been given. And I want to remind you that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are very specific. We're not talking about prayer. Prayer is not a gift of the Holy Spirit. Worshiping is not a gift in that sense of the Holy Spirit. Remember what the gifts are. Those gifts, you have one. You have at least one. We have been giving those gifts to serve one another. Because by serving one another, God is glorified. That's the way Peter sees this as working. As each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. So to keep in step with the Spirit, to live by the Spirit, to walk with the Spirit, means to serve. So it leads to the question, not what gift do you have, that's not the question. That's the self-focused question. The real question is, how am I using my gift to serve my brothers and sisters in Christ? So what are you doing? Now remember, Paul, Peter is putting this in the context of, you want to fight against the flesh? Serve. If you use the gift that the Holy Spirit has given to you to serve others, your flesh, the desires of the flesh, will be held in check. You know the people who are the most susceptible to the flesh are people who are doing nothing. Now, I know we can go and talk about, well, there are people who are too busy. Yes, there are, but there's, there's not that many of us that are way too busy. Most of us have way too much time on our hands. We're not using our gifts to the full extent that we can. We have way too much time. We spend way too much time in front of a television set. We spend way too much time with our phone. We spend way too much time with our computer. We spend way too much time. I didn't say we couldn't have any time for that, but we spend way too much of it, and therefore the flesh is going, yeah, <laughs> I love it when you watch that TV show and they're misusing God's name all the time. I love that because that works in your flesh. I love it when you watch that show with those scantily clad women on it because I know what that does to your flesh. 
I know. I love it when you watch those shows all about making money and getting the million or the hundred thousand. Because I know that deep inside what you're going, oh, I wish I could have that money. Oh, I wish. And your flesh, your greed takes over. What Peter is saying is how much better it would be if we simply took our gift and used it to serve. Used it to serve. And that's not apart from the time we need to spend in the Word. It's not apart from the time we need to pray and meditate and fast. But if I've been given a gift, one, two, more, you, four, five, use it to serve. See, to keep in step is not self-focused. I, I used this example at Walker Meadows this afternoon, so Phyllis has the right to probably not listen quite as intent right now. But I said, you know, I, I have in my car this little phone, and, and if I press a button, it gives me camera. And if I press another button, the camera is on me. I mean, think about that, folks. How many years have we lived in this world with cameras and suddenly we have cameras now that focus on us? You ever see anybody's picture from, like, Niagara Falls? Oh, no, because you never see Niagara Falls. Why? Because you just see them. See, they go to this grand place, all this water cascading. What's happening? Oh, yeah, picture of me. Yep, picture of me. Selfie right here, selfie right here. Maybe in the back you see a little bit of water somewhere. There's a lot of people you can look at their pictures of their travel and you never know where they went because you can't see anything. Why? Because it's all about them. See, keeping in step with the Spirit is not about us. It's about giving glory to God. The picture ought to always be of Niagara Falls. That's the beauty. That's the glory. Oh, maybe one picture of you and your friends. But not a hundred. Because you see, that's self. To keep in step with the Spirit is never self-focusing. To serve one another. The gifts that you and I have been given are there to serve one another. One another. As good stewards... Of God's varied grace. Good stewards. Those who, who take care of. Those who watch over. Those who make proper use of. Those who understand that the gift is the gift of the Spirit. And it's not Bob Van Manen's gift. Ever notice how we ask that question? Well, Pastor, what's my gift? Well, here's the answer. You have no gift. The only one who has gifts is the Holy Spirit. See, it's not about you. It's not your gift. It's His gift. I'm just the steward of the gift 
that belongs to the Holy Spirit. He's just letting me use it. He's just lent it to me for my care, for my good keeping. I'm the one who is responsible for this gift that the Holy Spirit has, as it were, loaned to me. And I must be a good steward of it. I must be a good caretaker of it. Understanding that this is only because of God's blessing. See, the word grace here is not to be understood in terms of God's varied grace. You mean some people get more saving grace than other people? That's not the way grace is using here. It's not the way Peter uses it throughout this book. Here, grace means blessing. And yes, God's blessings vary. God's blessings are not all the same. Just as the Holy Spirit doesn't give us all the same gift, it's varied. But we have to see it as a blessing. It is a blessing to be given the gift of hospitality. It is a blessing to be given the gift of encouragement. It is a blessing to be given the gift of discernment. Not everybody has that. Not everybody has the gift of giving. Not everybody has the gift of leadership. And you have to see that that which the Holy Spirit has given to you is a blessing from God. This is not a burden. It is a blessing that God gives that I am to take good care of. That I am to be a good steward of. And to use to serve others so that God is glorified. And if I keep in step with the Spirit. What did Paul say? Then I will not be seeking to gratify the desires of the flesh. May God be glorified as you and I use our gift for the glory of God this week. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Father. You are a good, gracious, loving benefactor to us. You not only save us, you gift us. Thank you for entrusting us with gifts to be used to bring you glory. In Christ's name, God's people say, Amen.